Well, babe, we did it. We wrote a book. Yeah, man, it's it's actually surreal to even think about uh, that we wrote a book, had a baby, got married, not necessarily in that order. <laughs> <laughs> but the book is now available yeah. for pre-order, and we're so excited to share it with you. Oh, so looking forward to getting this book into your hands, to be in dialogue and conversation with all of you as we continue to liberate love from old imprints and codependent dynamics that keep us small, stuck, and stagnant. Yeah, you know, no matter your relationship status, this book walks you through what shaped you, why do you do what you do in relationship. It dives deep into your relationship blueprint, attachment styles, and most importantly, which is different than every other book that's ever covered codependency in the past, we explore the role of the nervous system in that. And the book is called Liberated Love. Yeah. Release your codependent patterns and create the love you desire. Go to createthelove.com slash liberated love to order your copy now. That's createthelove.com slash liberated love and get that pre-order in and you'll be able to get a free download of a meditation we created and a workbook that goes along with it. Much love and appreciation for your support. Much love. Thank you. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mark Rose Podcast. You know, I've been really fascinated by the language, you know, like, hey, just, you know, manifest this. And I remember the movie The Secret where it was like, hey, you want a red bike? Just imagine a red bike and you get a red bike. And I remember my brother, I was talking to him about it and he's like, it's so stupid. Like, you don't just imagine a red bike and get a red bike. And I'm like, you know, you kind of, that logic actually makes pretty good sense. So, I like to go in and uncover what is sort of that language and what does it mean about. And, you know, I did that years ago, just wanting to understand what that meant, like raising your vibration, and what vibration meant, and then looking at sort of the physics of that and, and that it really is talking about the wave frequencies at which we are emitting based on our attitudes, our energy. And you know, I remember looking at one of those studies where they had two plants and they spent you know, kind of talk shit to one plant and talk to love to the other plant. And over time, I couldn't believe it. I remember watching the time lapse and the conversation on YouTube, which editing aside, let's just go with this for a sec, that the plant that got spoken to with love, like was freaking thriving. And the other one was like, oh man, not good. And this is, you know, I don't know that this even needs science to be validated. Like we know that that is true that if we speak to anything with that energy of compassion and empathy and kindness and generosity, that it is to thrive. You know, as humans, we know this is true. Our pets, all these things, plants, crazy. We never knew that, right? So I wanted to bring on someone who I really admire, respect, love her writing, and have that conversation because her writing is so real. It's so fierce and it's so beautiful. And she's an inspiration and her story is just incredible. The amount of transformation she has gone through in her life, you know, she's got credibility just because of that. It is none other than Layla Delia. 
So before we get started with the podcast episode, please, a reminder, wherever you listen to this, please go subscribe to it. Give it a five-star review and a written review. That helps it get into more people's ears and hopefully to change more people's lives. So if you are averse to the wording like vibration or anything like that, I, I encourage you to enter this with an open mind because we're not likely talking about what you think we're talking about in this conversation. She spells it out and makes it real clear what she means. And I'm so excited for this conversation because it was really beautiful and transformative in so many ways. So without further ado, here is Leila Delia. Today, excited to introduce you to and get to hear the story of the best-selling author, spiritual writer, wellness educator, and founder of the Vibration School, Leila Delia. Welcome. Thank you, Mark. I am so excited to be here and with the community. Yay. Yeah. And, and your book, thank you for being here. My community is excited to hear what you have to say because your journey is one that is just incredible. And when I first discovered your work, it was through your writing and your book, Vibrate Higher Daily. So make sure if you're listening to this that you go and check out her book and her writing. She, uh, you, you share all your work on Instagram mostly. Is that right? Absolutely. Instagram, it's on Twitter. It's even on Tumblr if anyone is out there. Oh, old school throwback. I had to, that's where I started. That's literally where I started. So I have to stay true. (laughs) Yeah. I have to stay true to my beginning. Yeah, but it's there as well. (laughs) Sweet. Well, yeah. How does one get into becoming a founder of, you know, a vibration school and getting into the work that you do? Because so much of your work has such simple messaging of like really shifting your inner being, shifting the way you see the world and how that brings your outer world into a different place. And so I'm curious, what was the birth of sort of discovering this? I knew that I had to create a place that was all in one of the information I was learning. And when I was learning it, though, everything seemed so fragmented. Like I was learning how to eat better. I was learning how to heal. I was learning how to let go of toxic relationships. I was learning how to make my space a sacred space at home. I was just learning how to use my power in the world and not to be a victim anymore, but an overcomer. And I knew that kind of like working many jobs and you don't really know they're all connected until like one day far away really like work on your life's purpose. You're like, oh, this is why I was like 50 million different things. So that's what this was like. I was like, oh, this is why I was learning all these things because it's all going to help me evolve and grow and actualize, self-actualize. And when I got to just the nooks and cranny of it, when I got down on a cellular level, I'm like, this is all about energy and vibration. Like Mm. the energy of my friendships, the energy of the food I eat, the energy and frequency of where I go. Like like Tesla says, everything was frequency, energy, and vibration. And I didn't find a place online. And it was frustrating at the time. I, I could not find a place online to connect all the dots for me. And I kept hearing those phrases, those quotes that says, if you can't find it, you're supposed to build it. And (laughs) (laughs) true that. Yeah. And I even think that Nelson Mandela, shout out to his spirit. Um, said something like that. And so that's exactly what I did. And I started doing it just for myself so I could have a place online to be able to create things. And it was on a Tumblr page. (laughs) It was on a Tumblr page. And I was like putting bits and pieces of things I was learning. And I started my community on Tumblr. I started writing and offering um, insights and articles. 
And that's really how I became a writer. And it went, I mean, I, I gained a huge community of people who were also feeling the same way I did. And that's where this began. And that's where I started to see, oh, okay, this is not just about me, but it's about me serving and helping other people who felt like I did and were in the same situation. And I would say fast forward to seven years later, or eight years later, uh, the Vibration School started in, in 2018. And that's where now it was a full-on website. It was also, I talk about in my book, about how this was the, the time I had to step into my power and stop doing things for free for granted. Like, Mark, I was mm-hmm. for those seven, eight years, I was giving away free information. <laughs> on Tumblr. All the time. All the time. And I, I, I got trapped in that old thing of like, well, who's going to pay me to do this? And I can't charge for this. This is spiritual work and this is helping people. And so I had to go through that chamber, graduate from that school, really step into my power and say, no, I I even had certifications by this time, like my goodness. And so I really had to step into my power. I had to be nudged, drugged and kicked by the universe (laughs) into into starting a business and like to going to the next level. And I was so comfortable doing it for free. And when I did, everything changed. Like the game changed yeah. for me. Uh, that's, it, I mean, it's it's the first line in my book on page one is she remembered who she was and the game changed. And for me, that was just, that's just how my life has always been. Like when I remember who I am, the game changes. So whether that's in fear and forgetfulness and self-doubt, low self-worth, it has always taken me or taken me uh, remembering who I am, remembering I have a bigger purpose. I'm going to be taken care of. Like nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to break. I'm going to be okay. And I will survive and overcome. And that was what this was about with starting Vibration School. And I'm so grateful because now it's in the world. Um, And had I given into fear, like many people that have went through the school who are in the school and who will go to the school never would have been helped. And I would never have been able to offer that space for them in the world. And um, so that's why I'm a true believer now of like, feel, feel the fear and do the thing anyway. <laughs> yeah. Amen. That's such a good book to feel the fear and do it anyway. Um, yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> so how, how, cause you talk about like over seven years, right? Like you were building this and, and going from where you were to where you are. And when you think about the people that you're meeting on their journey and, you know, which I often think are just former versions of ourselves on a journey, you know, that, I, cause I've always really thought if we, we often become the teacher we needed, like we had to go through to learn the thing. And then we're like, as you said, if, if it's not out there, build it. Totally. You know, if, if, and so you did that. And so I'm curious because when, so people can get a window, it's not like you uh, had everything and just created this from this like bougie life that you were existing in and you just had all this spare time, right? Like oh you, totally. right. This was born from your humanity, from your suffering, from your life experience. And your story is one of of great triumph, of great courage, of great success. And so like, take us back to like pre-vibration, pre, what was that like? Where were you at? What was, what was your life like then? Yeah, my life was totally a polar opposite of what it is now. Um, even the word duality comes to mind because I, I grew up in an urban community called the War Zone in South Central Los Angeles. And that's where the crime rate was the highest 
first of all, the crime rate is the highest in South Central LA. And then within South Central LA itself, we were in the highest um, crime area of, of South Central. So it was, it was really deep. It was impactful. My father was, had an entrepreneurial mind. He was a transplant from New Mexico. And this is what he could afford when he got here. All of his family that had, you know, transplanted here were in South Central at the time. And, you know, back then it was, we didn't have the same opportunities as, as white people and non-Black people. And it was like, get there and figure it out. Like as long as you get there, Mm -hmm. figure it out. Right. And so a lot of blacks were living in South central Los Angeles. And the cool thing though, that I do say about South central Los Angeles, which is a side note, is that you have different demographics. You have middle-class families and then you have lower class families. So it's a mixture of demographics for black people, but we definitely stayed on the lower class spectrum in the neighborhoods. And that had a really deep impact on me. There was a lot of gang life, drug deals on corners, um, pimps and prostitutes. I mean, this is stuff like imaging I was seeing on a daily basis. Um, Mm -hmm. The lingo and verbiage I would see there, you know, we'd be walking home from school and you have pimps and gangsters like giving you advice, like, you know, do good in your grades and this and that. And then like, you know, the next thing you see them turning up, (laughs) being violent or you hear that they've gone to jail. And so it's like this, it's almost like, um, what's the, what's his name? Um, Thanos, right? Thanos and Avengers, because it's like, you know, that this is like, they're doing something diabolical on one end, but on the other end, they have this like view of like, you like, like, why do I like them? Like Thanos was really likable. <laughs> yeah. so Killmonger, right. Killmonger and Black Panther. He was like the villain, but he was likable. So you have a lot of likable villains in these urban communities. And it's just so confusing to you as a young person because they have a lot of swag and they have all the shiny things and, you know, and you get caught up and trapped in that messaging. So growing up with that was, was one thing. And then once I got to middle school, the crime really, really got deep. And this was post the Rodney King era. And many of my friends were dying. I, it's like every other week I was going to a funeral in 1989, 1990, 1989, one of those years. And it was really traumatic for me. And I remember thinking like, young black boys don't live. And if they're my friends, they don't live. And I even thought it was something I was doing because I was connected to all these guys and they were just friends of mine. But I even questioned like, is it me? Is is something wrong with me? Uh, But it was, it was that it was, but there was also the highs. There were also my family. My father was a practicing Buddhist. He was living an entrepreneurial life. He would break up. I talk about this in the book. He would break up gang fights, come home late. And I'm like, where are you at? He's like, oh, I was breaking up another fight. They would really listen to him because he's he has this alpha male energy, but then this really sweet, this really sweet energy. He's I would even say he's like a sigma alpha. Like he's just the man, you know, he's like a man's man, but then he has love like a father. And so a lot of these young men, they didn't have fathers. A lot of their fathers were either dead or in jail, or they didn't know who they were. And my father did offer that tough love to them and that open arms and they would listen to him. And so we had that going on. And then there was also the highs of him creating like a sanctuary within our home. 
we would have the Buddhist community, um, the Sangha, which is like your support group as as a Buddhist practitioner. We would have that in our home sometimes. It would be our turn and we would have that there. He would have incense going throughout the week and just wonderful soul music. So he really did feel, it made, it felt light in my home. But as soon as I got outside, I'm like, okay, I'm free from all that beautiful fluffy stuff. And then I'm in the world now with my peers. So it was always like that duality. It, it just, it mm-hmm. was just so interesting. And so that, that really was my theme all the way up until my twenties was duality. I had a spiritual sense to myself. I felt ground, grounded in spirituality, comforted in spirituality, but there was also this uh, spark of danger that was just very, uh, I would even say, familiar. I was familiar with. I could speak the language. I knew it. And that really turned out to look like toxic relationships, abusive relationships. Uh, I was in a domestic violent relationship for three years, uh, and then I got out of that one, got right into another one. Uh, got into like trouble with the law, got arrested, did time. Like, I mean, I really went. Wow. Yes, I know. Like most people would never. It's funny when people read my quotes and they're like, oh, this is easier said than done. You know, you your life is so beautiful. I'm like, you don't know the half of it. <laughs> so that's yeah, why I never like with my book, you know, to, to really tell my story. And online, I've I've since told my story. But no, I I definitely dealt with the dark side. I played with the dark side. I knew how to speak the language of the dark side. And I I had to stop though as a victim, as a young person. I was also um, violated by a trusted caregiver sexually, um, sexually um, not raped but assaulted, and. I had a lot of trauma I was carrying as a young person. I didn't know how to express to my parents. And I didn't want my father to, I knew if he knew that happened to me because I, the way I would hear him talk about anything, if something would happen to like other members, he would protect them. He kind of had that Buddhist righteous anger type of thing, right? But I knew, you know, speaking the language of my culture at the time as a young person, I knew how retaliation worked. If you retaliate, someone's going to retaliate on you. And my father was not about to be in that whole mix up. So I just stayed quiet. I laid low with my pain and it just journeyed with me. I didn't know how to express it, what to do with it. So I kept it in. And now looking back, I understand why I made the decisions I did with getting in toxic relationships. Uh, That energy, energy was still in my body and it was looking to continue to play itself out because I wasn't looking to heal it. It was just masking it, you know? And it wasn't until I had a mentor come into my life um, after like a, a physical illness that everything began to change for me. It was the illness that dark night of the soul hit my world, shifted everything around. And that's through, um, that was the entry point, I would say. That was a portal into a new way of being in the world for me was through uh, a serious illness and then a, a mentor coming in right after that. Well, the things that like make us slow down, force us to uh, be with ourselves, but to, yeah. to really consider, cause you know, I've almost died legitimately a couple times in my life. And bo- both of those moments were, especially one where I got attacked. Uh, one, I got attacked by a gang mm-hmm. and I got 44 stitches in my head and I got beat up with a pipe and stuff. I didn't know them at all. But the mm-hmm. other one is I broke my leg. And when I broke my leg, I ended up almost dying from an embolism in my lung. And my goodness. yeah, so it's a, it, there's something about facing the truth of our mortality, you know, or just facing like I might not have more time. And that really made me consider I, I continue to face that. And it's it's quite a motivator. 
And I, you know, to hear that that's where everything sort of stopped for you. Was it sort of serendipitous? Like when you were going through it, you know, how the mentor came into your life, was that, you know, by total serendipity. I talk about this in my book as well. I was in Whole Foods looking for a gift for a baby shower I was going to. I was in the baby aisle and I wanted like all natural, (laughs) all natural gifts. And by this time I was trying to live healthier and, and I had just started some products my sister had sent to me. She had sent to me some herbs and things that had really helped me. I decided to take the herbs versus get an emergency surgery I had to get and they worked. And so I was like, okay, I'm a believer in this lifestyle. And it just, the way it made me shift and change, I was a believer. So at this point I was like, okay, all my gifts are going to be natural and organic. (laughs) I was that friend. I became that friend. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that was me. And so at that point I was in Whole Foods here in West LA and this man, like we, this man came up to me and we bumped into each other actually. And we just started talking like a few minutes later after we saw each other again in the, in the supplement aisle. And I was looking like, I don't know what to get. I was kind of looking lost. And he saw that he, he understood that posture. And then he came over and was telling me what I had in my hand, what that was for. Now, long story short, without me knowing it, this was the man whose herbs my sister sent me in the hospital. It was him. What? He was yeah. the actual creator? Yeah. It was the actual man, the metaphysician, the, the healer. It was him. And I was like, whoa, like this was like, what? <laughs> and so, yeah, that was total serendipity. And we talked for a while there and in the store and then in, again in the parking lot. It was just everything. And I knew by this time I knew. And one thing I can tell you is that even though I I have went through a lot in my life. I've I've done a lot that was, you know, out of balance and did a lot that was in balance. One thing that was for sure for me is that I had a connection to like the spirit realm. I could sense things, I could feel things. And if anything, like whether you're working on the good, the, the lighter, the dark side, the good or the bad, whatever you want to call it, it works with you. It's almost like neutral. You know, it gives you a sixth mm-hmm. sense. You can feel things, you know things, you know what to do. And so as a young person, now I never used it, used it in any type of like diabolical way or anything, but I would use it like to um, know what a boyfriend's doing <laughs> or, you know, <laughs> I, had a, I, had a, I had a gift of like getting passwords. I would always know my boyfriend's passwords. I could get it. So my name. Okay. Started, that's pretty, that's pretty cool. That is awesome. And so I would teach my other <laughs> friends like, like how to try to do it and they couldn't always get it, but I would always get what I needed, you know, whatever I needed to figure out, it would come to me. I, and I didn't know at the time how I was doing this. It was just happening. It was just like, if I had, and then I also was able to tap into like a uh, feeling like I would be around people and just feel this huge sense of like, this person is not okay for me. And I remember sometimes going against that and then it proving why that was the case. Uh, I would even get stomach aches when I would not listen and, and stay around people who like were maybe mm. so-called toxic. Um, even relationships, I would be around a certain guy and like literally have knots in my stomach, right? Knots when when we come around. And years years later when I was teaching, I'm like, those butterflies most of the time are a sign that this is not the right energy. It's not, <laughs> you know, yeah. most of the time when it's the right person, you have such a calm, cool, peaceful. And I think a lot of times we're looking for that excitement and that excitement a lot of times is um, misleading. Yeah, I laugh about that because I, 
I joke with people when they say, well, I don't, you know, I, I can't help who I get butterflies for. And I'm like, well, first off, if your butter butterflies are bringing you to people who are not good for you, you know, that part of your, what you're calling chemistry is kind of broken. And the other totally side well. is it's anxiety too. Butterflies are anxiety. Totally yeah. anxiety. And once I got that, like it was so freeing for me, like on the relationship side, I was like, oh, okay, butterflies run for the hills. I say that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I think like that's why, like, you know, when you're dating, like the good guy who doesn't give you butterflies and you don't have anxiety, um, if you're used to the, the those energetic hits, you will think he's boring and you'll think he's mm-hmm. the wrong person when in actuality, like he or she is the right person. And that's exactly the type of energy that's going to be sustainable um, and healthy. Mm, that, that, that energy feeling of lightness and peace is actually what you're seeking. That's actually what you should be looking for. That's green flag, green flag, green Green flag, flag, people, green flag. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I was always running for those red flags. Oh my gosh. The bad boy, you know, the whole like bad boy thing. Um, Good girl. And I'm back then I was considered a good girl because I wasn't really doing a lot of like deep, deep, you know, dark things. Like maybe some of the guys I was into were doing, as a young person, but I now looking back, like, you know, it was, it's all the same. Like whether you're doing it, supporting it, you know, enabling it, it's just not good. It's just not good energy, but I've learned to work with vibration. Um, and that, that healer, of course, was the entry point for me, um, just changing the way I was looking at everything in my life. It literally was Yoda showing, showing up and he, he never charged me one time for a session ever. And to this day, he, you know, he's still charging, <laughs> he's still in practice, uh, but him and his wife, like they really took me in as a daughter, um, just as like a, a young person they wanted to help. And they just really have been instrumental in my life. Yeah. That's so fantastic. So you're, you're in the state, you get sick, you meet this mentor, and then you start making changes in your life. How does it start to look like? What starts to happen? What do, what do you change first? Yeah. Eating. It was eating for me at the time. So this doctor introduced me. He he helped me as much as he could with food. Food nutrition really wasn't his thing. His his thing was more so like working with the nervous system, the intestinal system. And he handed me off um, for nutrition to Dr. Sabi, which was in Los Angeles, which was a, a colleague of his. Uh, he had studied under Dr. Sabi, which was a, a world-renowned healer. And I was able to then take Dr. Savy's products and oh my goodness. Like, so coming from taking Dr. B, who was the first healer, his products going to Dr. Savy's products, like my, the way that my mind began to furthermore allow me to really move out on the things that I was hearing. So what that, what that looks like is Dr. B would tell me, give me advice, right. On like how to clear patterns and stop cycles in my life. And I would want to do it. It would sound good, but I couldn't always stick to it long-term. And I still had fear around telling people no, or being that person who had to end relationships because I was transforming now or because my life needed to vibrate higher. But when I started working with the plant medicine in the foods, uh, well, the plant medicine that is in Dr. Sabi's products, but also he gives you a nutritional path that, that you have to go on for 90 days when you take his products. 
And the way that I felt after eating that, it's all clean, basically like to bottom line, what his nutritional path is, it's alkaline foods. It's all alkaline foods. Um, It's moving a lot of like acid from the body, raising the pH. After I went through that and had his products, I was able to really hone in on what Dr. B was telling me. So Dr. Sabi was like, Mm. Dr. B was on the the mental, psycho-emotional side. And I was able to do it. And I'm like, oh, I'm standing in my worth and my power. And I really had more fortitude to do the things that I was healing. And that's another thing why kind of like what I was saying at the beginning, where I was able to like really merge what I was experiencing. I'm like, oh, okay, I can't, I can't make the right decisions if I'm still not eating all the way healthy. And if I'm not eating all the way healthy, I that's like blocking, that's blocking from what I'm trying to do. And it was that part for me. Now, it may not be nutrition for everyone. It may be, you know, you have to leave a, a toxic relationship in order to hear hear more clearly in your life. Or maybe you have to like leave a job to like open up more space. But in some area, like space has to be opened up for this new energy, this new life to start taking root. Yes. Yeah. And my my gateway and my way was nutrition through food. And I was a junk food junkie. I loved like every day. Like I remember even from as young as I can remember, like I went <laughs> and my parents supported this habit. I would go to like the convenience store right after school and get like a Snickers, chips, Dorito. It was it was a thing. Snickers, Doritos and a Hawaiian punch. That was it. And then oh, would, Hawaiian punch is really good, though. I mean, I get I it. I had the oh, same. I I love chocolate milk though. Chocolate milk and candies. The candies, the gummy candies. Oh gosh. Oh yeah. Stop. Yeah. See, and so when you think back to that, because then you remember like all the good times you had around that, and Hawaii. But Hawaiian punch is the one thing now. I've I've pretty much found replacements for all of the stuff except for Hawaiian punch. <laughs> so if there's any natural company listening, please. <laughs> So you're making the changes nutritionally, which then starts to cultivate self, like you start to feel worthy. I mean, you're feeding your body good foods. You're being present with yourself. As you said, you're creating space. You're, and then you start to then from that foundational place, start to make good decisions from a relational perspective and, and a lifestyle perspective. Is that right? Totally. Yeah. It was like the the foods I I was eating were, it was maintaining me living at a mediocre level. It was maintaining like the whole sheeple mentality, the group think. And I was not a leader. Like I was able to hide in the crowd. And I was a person who always was comfortable not being seen. I was very shy. And I had friends who didn't serve me well who would dampen my light whenever I would have a gift I would want to share or anything, you know, it was a competition thing. I I, I experienced that whole thing. And so a lot of that Mm. really affected my self-worth of like showing up authentically with, with who I was. So I would hide. And then um, with partners as a young person, it would be the whole thing of like guys, toxic guys, not wanting me to have light of my own or to do things in my own or to be jealous if I had like a good time somewhere else or wanted to go do something that would better my life. Like, oh, you might leave me or find somebody better. Like the whole thing, right? I dealt with that all the way up into my 20s from my, I would say, late teens to mid 20s until the crisis happened. And once I started really understanding how relationships work. Um, and then there was a book in particular who changed my life. 
And I know you know it. It's the book, um, The Art of Seduction by Robert Greene. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's such a great writer. That's a really beautiful book. That book is so everything. And I read that book and I could not put it down. I was in the store, Barnes and Nobles, and I had to like go home. I could, I was there for hours reading it. I went home, continued hours reading it and it was changing my life. And there were two male friends in my life who, once I told them what the book were saying, they're like, oh my, they were like, I need to go get this book. Like this uh-huh. is really how we think. This is really how like guys think and this and that. And so, um, about <laughs> <laughs> classic guys were like art of seduction. Oh yes, this is perfect. I need to know how to do this. <laughs> right. And so, but what got me about the book is I saw how I was being anti-seductive, like the things that I was doing in my life to make make sure that my partner had all the power. I didn't have any power. I was showing up codependent, all the things. And I was like, oh, like everything, like all the red lights, like that was me. Like, I'm like, I'm all the, mm. the whole checklist. I'm like, I'm doing all these things. Oh my goodness. And at the time I was in a relationship and I was just, I just knew that this was, a big part of my life changing so much so that I sent an email to Robert Greene and I just told him that this book is the first time I was able to really see myself in relationships. It was like I was looking in the mirror and I needed help. I was in another abusive relationship and I didn't, I don't know how to break this pattern and this book. I know it's in this book. And he communicated with me over email for four months back and forth. He came up with game plans. He would say, do this, try this and call me back. Or, or email me back, try it, or this would work. He's like, oh no, he, this is, this is what he's doing. <laughs> he was like, so he was like my relationship coach. And, <laughs> <laughs> and he told me that the, the, I will never forget. He said that the relationship for you is going to be more boring. And without like everything that I told you at the beginning of this podcast, yeah. he called it without me even saying any of that. Like I didn't tell him my backstory or anything. And he just said like, you know, you're attracted to this type of guy. Um, but the guy for you is going to look more boring. It's not going to have all these, all this and that. And he was able to help me stand up in my power. And that again, changed my life. So my life really has been a mixture of these mystical beings entering my life and, and for some reason, helping me, like helping me forward. And I Mm. really connect with the hero's journey that Joseph Campbell talks about that, you know, once you're on your hero's journey, that you do meet your helper, your teacher. Um, and my teachers have been many. And I'm just so grateful that whatever the area was that I need to heal, grow, and ascend in, that a teacher would show up. And they've been master teachers. And so I'm just so like Rob, like, come on, like Robert Greene himself is like Yeah, Robert Greene, like my life. master. <laughs> he's the master. And I'm like, he's interested in my life. And and I had already read uh 48, no, not 48 Laws of Power. What's it? Is it 48 The Art of War? What's his first book? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Is it The Art of War? 48 Laws of Power, I want to say, is his first. No. Yeah. I think that's the might third. Be the art of war. Yeah, it might be the art of war. I think the art of war is what made him. Yeah. Okay. Like, it's that become one. mainstream. Yeah. Because yeah, that's I've heard him speak on quite a few podcasts too, and that inspired me to read the art of seduction, which was so fascinating. Like learning about all the invisible forces through behavior and all that kind of totally. stuff, which is really neat. And uh, you know, as you speak to all the things that you've done to transition your life and make it what it is today, you know, it's so much of it is creating safety and like really cleaning up the relationships you're in. And, you know, you were saying that, you know, some of the friends that you were in a relationship with at the time were more toxic where they like smothered your light. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think so much when we aren't living in our own light, 
we try to smother other people's lights. And also, if we're afraid that someone finding their light might lead them away from us. And that to me is such a sad reality of so many relationships, especially in a heteronormative sense of male to female. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't know that men, we've been socialized to, um, well, one, we we don't have access to our own feelings, so our light is sort of dim. It's a darker light often. Mm-hmm. And this isn't a judgment or a dark versus light better, you know, it's just a reality. Yeah. And and so we are so afraid of the joy that emanates from the feminine, uh, the excitement, the light, that it might lead us them away from us. And, right. and so the controlling is what we think will cap it, which is so counterproductive, counter. And you know, it's so counter because someone's mm-hmm. light being endorsed by you actually makes them want to be around you. Exactly. That's it. And it makes them better for you. It makes them more dynamic for you. Yeah. Because if you're with someone who you're dimming their light, you're also, you're dampening their self-confidence and self-worth, and they're never going to be able to show up a hundred percent for you from that place ever. Like, so you won't even have the type of partner you like, do you really want that? Like, do you really want me at my 10% or just let me be at a hundred and we're all going to be better. (laughs) Right. And, and I think the other thing of, uh, partner and at at their 100 and this doesn't matter the gender it's just the human yeah. uh, a partner at their 100 will invite 100 from the other one so oh. you know i always think like in my own relationship i find that we're constantly playing leapfrog like she's <laughs> expanded figured something out called yeah. me to do that and then you know so it's a dance and no one mm. is you know our capacities are always getting higher like once you hit your 100 there's more. There's always yeah. so much more. Totally. Mm. Yeah. It's it's those like bonus levels. And I think that that when you bonus do levels, hit the most, like yeah, the bonus levels, because some people will get comfortable at a hundred and like, oh, okay, this is it. But I think that like, like couples, all good. Yeah. All good. I'm comfortable now. <laughs> <laughs> but when we can continually grow together, that's everything. And I love like on in ancient Egypt, which is called Kemet, the hieroglyph for love is a plow. And I love that. So really a I'll, plow, a plow because love Just is plowing our love. Yep. Working, working, working it out, working it out. And I'm like, that's deep for them to use a plow because it's work. It's not just like, that's it. You know, it's just remind you that this is work and work is energy. And I think that if you just allow it to just really live and not stay stagnant, it really creates a dynamic relationship that has high vibrations, like high vibrational um, energy and potential that'll eventually help you to mature into just different beings for each other versus staying the same person for a a long-term period of time. Like let's grow together. Let's evolve together. Let's grow together. Yeah. Well, and for people to know, like uh, a high vibrational behavior would be, um, a boundary would be a high vibrational behavior, right? Because it's drawing a line. It's, uh, it's endorsing self-worth. It's creating peace and freedom. Yes. Absolutely. Although it doesn't feel like it at the time often. Right. <laughs> there is. <laughs> it often doesn't. It feels like it creates a bit more at first, but that's really yeah. just the space of uncertainty that lives between a boundaryless life and a boundaryless life. Yeah. The space between those two things is, is, is terrifying. Right. Um, because we're not sure uh, we've never lived there before. Right. 
Absolutely. Boundaries are so necessary and, and they're all around us. Like we're, we're honoring boundaries all day long in just life and we don't realize it. So we might as well honor them in our relationships. It makes life better and it'll make our relationships better too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious. So for someone listening, you know, I'm sure everyone listening, you are, you are in a different place of perhaps wanting to change your life, wanting to shift it and, and, I'm curious for no matter where they're at, what are, what are some things that people can do to begin to shift their vibration, to change their life, to get to that place where they're doing like you were doing, where all of a sudden you're just changing your pat- patterns and you're kicking ass and taking names and all of a sudden <laughs> you've got your own school. So how, how, do we, how do we get from where you were to where you are? And uh, that'd be really helpful. Yeah. First of all, I have to say, I love that. That's the first time anyone has said it like that. And I totally fully receive that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true. I mean, shit, that's, it's unbelievable your story to see what you've been through and where you are. So Thank yeah. You. Yeah. I, I definitely say, number one, we want to start off with journeying and grace because anytime that you go to change your life and to make decisions to say no, there's going to be testing, challenging, you know, first of all, the universe will test you as soon as you say you want to transform um, opportunities, temptations, everything comes your way uh, because it's, it's, this is almost like a, a universe of familiarity, right? Like everything that you are normally familiar with that you're normally into is, is still going to keep coming your way until your vibration really cleanses and changes, but it takes time to vibrate higher. So you're going to call in, you're still going to be attracting and calling in some of the old stuff. And this is really what I call residue. <laughs> you're t- you know, yeah. you're getting residue. And as, as when you keep journeying the path, going the way, but it takes being consistent, right? It takes being consistent. And the more you're consistent, the more the residue starts to fade more and more and more, which means that the people who used to call you, they're not calling anymore. The partners who are still trying to hang on by a thread, they're just going to go ahead and just let go. And then so will you. And then opportunities start to come. You start building these mental muscles now that save you, that help you, that help you flourish and make better decisions. But again, it takes that consistency and journeying and grace because when we don't get it right, we can tend to feel like you know, first of all, we can shame ourselves, but we can tend to feel like we're not on purpose. Uh, we can't help anyone. Who are we to offer help to someone because we're not perfect yet? But just knowing that perfection is not synonymous with wellness or beauty. Like we can still be beautiful mm. and awkward and growing and, you know, and not having it all figured out. We're still full of light and purpose even then. And once I found that out, like everything shifted. There was no more boogeyman that anyone could you know, scare me with like people, energy, you know, anything. I knew that I was still on purpose and I was going to heal my life and it was healing in the meanwhile. And I started to just have this inner peace where at first I I felt like I had to prove to people I'm not the same person and, and that's not me anymore. But once I really got into the work, I'm like, I didn't have to say that. I'm like, just, it's going to speak for itself. Your transformation will speak for itself. And the people will start just like with me, the teachers start to show up. What's the saying? When the, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. So the teachers mm-hmm. will show up and the teachers can be anybody. Like, trust me, like my teachers were so many different people from different walks of life, but I surrendered to the wisdom that they had to give me. And I understood that this was something deeper happening. It was just mystical. 
right? And um, and I definitely say keep going, keep going. And some of the best years and days of your life have not even happened yet. They're still headed towards you. And the more that you vibrate higher, the more that the quicker you're able to meet them, right? You don't have to like spend a lot of time out in the wilderness <laughs> missing them and, and not and not finding you. Um, but you'll be able to you'll be able to um, attract it to you and track the people and the things and opportunities to help you um, evolve your life. Yeah, when you talk about the concept of vibration, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe you talk you're talking about the the, the physics of it, the like the behavior in and of itself. How do you define it? Yeah, vibration, everything is vibration. Like everything in our known universe is vibration. If we just look on a on a microscopic level, we're just energy vibrating at a particular frequency. And that frequency, whether it's high or low, determines the health or the quality of the thing that is vibrating, that is in motion, that is living, that is an object, that is a person, that is a food, that is a relationship, that is a room or an environment. So whatever frequency that is, uh, that governs the vibration, whether it's high or low. So when we can take that into saying, uh, what level of vibration is my food or my relationship, or even the way I speak to people, you know, am I mindful when I speak? Do I have a meaningful presence when I'm with people? Am I rude? Am I harnessing bitterness and anger? And I'm, and I'm trying to attract love and joy <laughs> to my life. So we, we want to mirror the vibration of what we're calling it. That's the like that's the most bottom line way I can say how you can work with vibration because you are vibration, but you can also work with vibration, which is working with yourself, working with others on a level beyond what you see. Because if we just deal with people in the physical, um, it can be very misleading. You know, maybe their their attractiveness uh, allures us. Um, the things that they have maybe turns us off. So it, it on each thing, like maybe someone turns you off who who is maybe not attractive to you, but then they're probably a great person to have in your life. Or maybe a person has a lot of shiny, beautiful things and you're you're alert, not knowing that this is a toxic person. But when we can really tune all of that out, the physical distractions and just tap into who is this person on a vibrational level, like that just changes the game. It changes everything. And what is this food? Even though this food looks good, <laughs> it even tastes good <laughs> for me vibrationally. Um, my home, maybe I'm comfortable with my home. Maybe my home is is cluttered and I'm, I don't feel like putting energy and cleaning, but what is it doing to me vibrationally? So just choosing mm-hmm. those higher vibrational things that help your life thrive forward um, is game changing. It's healing. It's healing. It, it, it's truly game changing. When I think so many people bypass what you're saying by saying it is uh, it's too easy, right? Like mm-hmm. it's too easy. Yeah, yeah. You know what? That's just, it's more of that spiritual stuff. You know, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm sure there's people listening who are like, oh yeah, vibrate. Sure. Yeah. That'll be great. Right. But I, but I want to emphasize that you're literally saying like each choice you make is choosing to either raise it or lower it, but it doesn't have to have the word vibrate. It could be like, is this contributing to your self-worth and your peace of mind and your safety and your security in your life? Totally. So, you know, it really, that's what, you're, you know, and I, I like the way you put it, because when you think about the vibration of your food, as much as I don't want gummy candies to be low vibration, <laughs> they are certainly, and, you know, you think about, I was thinking about this earlier, actually, when you were speaking, this came to my mind, which is when you're still, and there's no judgment in anything I'm about to say, but I think it's relevant, which is when you are participating in the food systems in a way where you are 
not being mindful of what you're eating. And I want to acknowledge all of the socioeconomic factors that go into this too. So it's easy for me to say this from here. But even when I was younger and I didn't have a lot of money, my and my parents, we grew up, you know, lower middle class. And I remember my mom grew our food, a lot of it, and she only bought the most healthy things for us, which I hated at the time because I wanted (laughs) all the crappy stuff because I'm a kid and sugar is a drug. But it shows you like as we participate in the food systems, in ways, and we all need to actively work together to change this. But as we do that, and what you did was separate, you started to nourish yourself differently. Well, as soon as you do that, you're stepping out of a system that keeps you part of it, that keeps part of all of the wheels turning in all of the places. And of course, I'm saying this with so much acknowledgement of the heaviness of all the systems that my white male construction company, right? We are the historical creators of a lot of this. Mm. And so I acknowledge that. Yeah. And with that said, I am I am all in on changing it. Yeah. And awesome. Yeah. I really just thought of that. Like when you're still participating in the patterns in relationship, you're still participating in the food patterns. Mm-hmm. But food and exercise I find are one of those vibrational shifts that are the they're challenging to make, but they they create the foundation to the other stuff. You know what I mean? Like you get immediate feedback from making good food and good exercise choices. Totally. That's it. That's it right there. And it's, and a lot of times I always say it's like the, the things that are going to be the easiest, most effective sometimes are the hardest to do because people want to go to the more abstract, harder things to do. And the work that I do, I'm like, it's really, we can really simplify like all the things that we spend millions of dollars a month um, trying to feel good and trying to look good and all the things that we're like spinning our wheels and not even still satisfied. Um, we can just bottom line it to, let me just check the vibration of even my intentions, even right. Like, what is it that I mm-hmm. want out of this? What is this meal doing for me? Is it in my self soothing? <laughs> um, and can I self soothe by something a little healthier? It, me calling this person that I know doesn't serve me. Is this self soothing? Why? Like, do I need to really look at the reason or am I just going to, you know, honor, uh, the reaction, right. And, and be reactionary and move out on things. And a lot of times we're making decisions that don't serve us because of comfort, of whether maybe it's a hit of dopamine, like it's all the things that happen that that can be really um, addiction driven. And maybe we don't realize that there is some type of addiction there within us. Maybe it's with food, with starches, carbs, relationships, uh, of energy. Uh, Maybe there's an issue with not wanting to be alone. You need validation, all the things. And just knowing that what is my intention, my vibration behind this? Again, if, if the word vibration isn't your cup of tea, that's totally okay. Like just call it something else. You can call it frequency. You can call it energy. Um, you can just call it a, a sense, a feeling, a knowing. <laughs> you can it's call like, it love. You can, yeah, you can call it- exactly. Like call it, call it what, call it what you will, but it's going to exist. Like trust that. Like it's not going to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, like not liking the name doesn't make it not true. Exactly. <laughs> That's a good point. That's it. Right. It's, it's here, whether you want to acknowledge, acknowledge it or not. So you might as well just name it something that you can rock with because you're going to have to rock with it if you want to help your life go forward and thrive and vibrate higher. And, and to anyone, like I want to speak to that, what you just said about people who are in a position where you don't maybe have the financial 
stability to do all the things, to go to the therapist, to do the newest, latest, greatest techniques. And just it's every every time I look like every time I turn around, there's like something new to try in the in the illness space. And so I just want to say that it doesn't take all that. It does not take all that. I, I started with nothing. Like I was on food stamps when I started. I was on WIC. I was rock bottom. I had not too long after that guy, you know, just went to jail. Like it was crazy. My life was crazy, but I did it. I did it with being at rock bottom and whatever you feel like when you feel like everything has to be perfect and it has to look like someone else's version of wellness and healing, um, that's a distraction. So just let that go and just know that if I just have to go to my local store who doesn't look like Whole Foods or all the, you know, the nice popular trendy stores that I see on Instagram, um, I'm just going to go to that store and, and look at the dirty dozen, like the clean 15 and the dirty dozen and know which foods don't have to be organic, which foods do have to be organic. That helps you save money there. And then, uh, you know, eating like bulk meals, like I was doing all the things. And I, I remember my parents used to do that when I was younger and I used to not like it either. Like you, you didn't like certain things. Mm-hmm. I didn't like, like having a big pot of beans that we all had, like, th- we have to eat off this for like the rest of the week. Are you kidding? <laughs> yeah, we did that with like stew. Yeah, it would be stew one day, um, hot dog chili one day, burritos the next day. Like, oh my goodness. And there was a point when like my friends would like make jokes. I was like, dad, this is getting serious. I'm getting joked about this. Stop. Let's choose something else. But at the time he was an entrepreneur and like, that's how he was, you know, surviving and thriving. Um, So, so yeah, like however you have to survive, I would say, um, do it. It's your life is worth it. Your future is worth it. And and don't do it like uh, ego may come in and say, you know, you have to have the nice expensive things. You don't compare. Um, comparison can come in and say, I, I should be having, you know, the expensive things and tools and, and clothing, like all those things, like all of that is just a distraction to your wellness because that has nothing to do with it. And I can say being on the side where I was at rock bottom, but then also um, coming into a place of being more affluent it's none of those things that help you feel better. Like none of that is it. Mm-hmm. It's just the internal person, the internal place, your vibration and your outlook on life. And if anything, when you can release the need to like have all, all the things perfect, to feel like you have to be at a financial status to heal or to even be seen, um, you let that go and it's so freeing. And I remember mm-hmm. when I started my my writing journey, like I, I was still like in some sense, like lower class with the work I was doing in the world at that time. It was like I was starting over. I was exiting a life that didn't serve me, trying to find my way in the world and, and you know, paycheck to paycheck. But it was saying yes, that that was my reward for me. That was my reward just for saying yes. And so the universe, God, the divine most high, you will be rewarded just for saying yes, no matter what, even when it's uncomfortable. And so I hope that whoever is listening that needs that is just move forward and feel that you're beautiful, especially in a day and age where so many people are comparing journeys and wellness and healing and working out in homes and relationships to what they see online and all of that mm. curated it's by an algorithm so don't let the algorithm control your life and control your healing process because you don't deserve that amen to that i think of that moment where we hit uh the enough is enough the rock bottom whatever that is yeah and then we take that first step you know and and that's when you know, I totally agree with you. As soon as I claimed what I wanted to do, the universe aligned. It was like, 
Totally. I would have never believed it. People told me that. Like, right. as soon as you say yes to it, it starts. And I'm like, sure, buddy, how much weed do you smoke? You know, like, I, <laughs> I, I just, you know, I didn't. But now I can look back and say that has been so true that that the right, as you said, that when the student's ready, the teacher arrives. And yeah. I'm curious, I have one question that I think is just so important is, if we're really battling with the the victim mentality with like the world's happening to me, this isn't fair, this and and not to dismiss that because that can it's a fair response to the circumstances that have created it. Right. I'm curious how you shifted that. How did how did you make that change to being empowered and 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 acknowledging it and letting it go? What was that? Yeah, I I would definitely say that was a big healing for me right there because I was very triggered. <laughs> I was very triggered from my past. I was very unhealed from my past for a long time. And I definitely was like, I felt like you could put my picture in the book under victim mentality. That was me. And so much so that if people didn't relate and couldn't like relate to me as a victim, I would feel like they're an enemy. You know, I would feel like they don't Mm -hmm. get me versus saying, no, maybe this person is trying to help me. Maybe this person is, is seeing something different in me that I don't see in myself. So it took me realizing that I was being hypersensitive and my hypersensitivity is what I had to heal. Why did I need to feel like I needed to remain the victim and to keep living out through my words, through my stories, through validation, all my experiences that hurt me and caused trauma. And so it wasn't until I was able to get therapy and work with Dr. B in sessions that I was able to even know that there was a different me, like, oh, there's a different version of myself out there. It was like, it was like avatars, like what avatar do I want to be today? Right. And I was just choosing to be this one avatar when there's so many more I can be. And so when I was realizing Mm. that I could choose another avatar, like that changed the game for myself. And that's what I did. And if I just, I I challenge anyone to do that, do that for 21 days to to pick a completely different persona for yourself that is empowered or whatever the energy that you want to become that is higher vibrational than where you are now and watch how life gets real for you. It's game changing because life is responding to how you see yourself. And so if you can see yourself healed in an overcomer, not just a survivor, but an overcomer, because if you're just a survivor after being a victim, you're still going to have a lot of the same triggers, uh, maybe a lot of the same test, but it's not until you overcome is that you've transcended. So even if you see the same people, you get the same phone calls or, or there's a memory that it's your it's everything's neutralized for you there's there's no hit there's no emotional charge and you're able even to tell your story still um or now in a healed way that's able to help other people but when you're just a survivor you're still a little tender and it's okay we do need that that's important we, you know we want to go from victim to survivor to overcomer we want to honor each of those spaces and processes but know that victim or survival is not the final destination we keep going until we get we get to overcomer. And for me, that a lot of that work is the hero's journey that Joseph Campbell yeah. talked about. And I would definitely suggest anyone watch Joseph Campbell's um, work. Like, uh, you know, well, his books, his work, anything that he has, anything that you could find, like totally geek out because that's going to help you step into your empowerment. And a lot of people who are in the victim mentality, I truly believe that they have the power to become 
super, super ultimate heroes because most heroes are, yeah, right? It's like those people who go through the hardest have like yes. the biggest testimonies, the biggest purposes in life. And everyone's, you know, everyone's life is important, but it's some of us are are able to show up in power a little different in different ways. And so you have a lot of power that is laying dormant. And so I say, come out, it's time. It's time to come out. Yeah, that it's part of that journey that it is. It's part of the role to discovering your heroic energy, to discovering the, the power you have. Yeah. And I I think that's such a beautiful invitation and an acknowledgement that it's necessary. Yeah, you know? totally. And but it's, it's not the end. Right, exactly. It's not the end. And, and this is, for me, it's been rewarding because now when I look at myself as the hero of my own journey, I'm able to now send love to the parts of me that lived as the victim and that lived as even, even the things that I did that were out of balance in the world. Like I send myself love and I thank myself for getting me to this point because I could have still been <laughs> in that place. But I, I think every step and choice that I made and every person who has showed up in my life mystically and in divine order to help me further myself. And so I say, just listen open up, receive, receive the help, ask for the help. It's there and it'll show up when you say yes. And when you open your heart up to it and your mind even. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, I mean, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your journey and some, uh, some of your work and your tips. And uh, I'm curious for the people listening, where do they find more of you? So I'm at Layla Delia across social media platforms. And I am, um, it's Vibrate Higher Daily is my website. That's uh, where I have, you can work with me, see what I have going on. And uh, yeah, and I'm excited just to share. I have a lot coming up for 2021. So stay tuned and journey in grace with yourself. I'm excited for your community. You were doing a lot of great work and I know that your community is doing great work. So I'm excited. We're helping this planet vibrate higher. Mm, Amen to that. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Mark, for having me. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. If this episode resonated with you, one of the best ways to support the show is to go subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any more. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to it, or share the episode with your community on Instagram or whatever social place you like to hang out. This helps get it into more people's ears, and I'm so grateful for your support, always. Thanks again for tuning in. Much love.